Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Equipped, Bruised, Tired podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Bryce Krawcheck, and I'm here with Ryan Stinn. How you doing, Ryan? Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, nice weather. Uh, been cooler this weekend, so it's good. We got uh, some work done around the, the warehouse yesterday and wasn't sweating sweating our asses off, so that was good. No um, AC in the warehouse? No, no AC yet. Uh, which is also the gym now, so um, okay. yeah, might be might be investigating some by by Tuesday. I'm supposed to be 34 here. I might, I might be like Craigslisting some <laughs> some uh, air conditioners to put in there. So it was we'll like see. 26 one day this week, and I was dying. Yeah. So yeah. No thanks. So we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I'm starting a new block today. So Ooh. that's the uh, the so goal is the 500 benched block. So. Okay, nice. Your bench has been going uh, going pretty well. Yeah, raw bench has been really good. Um, just been this last week um, at work, um, at other work, because I have multiple ventures. Um, we did a lot of like hauling of equipment this week, and so I was fried, and my bench, my whole workout that day was basically trash. But but yeah, no, I think uh, I think I have a good shot at going for that two twenty seven and a half bench at the end of this block so we'll see that'd be pretty awesome man mike said what did he say uh and i quote <laughs> benching 465 by one at eight earns a shot at 500 with smart attempts there you go so, <laughs> well mike i don't I have to get like record plates out to make 465 because i train in kilos so <laughs> yeah yeah maybe you should do you have i'm sure you have that in, oh, yeah. uh, in your kit so yeah. that might just be the play yeah i don't even know what that is 465 would be like 211 to something like that because 210 is like 462 i think so yeah that sounds about right so yeah so i have to earn my i have to earn my shot at 500 here we'll see <laughs> and how's your uh how's your single leg training are you back to doing some some bilateral stuff in this block yeah we'll do we're just going to do some like really low volume squatting sumo deadlift yeah um like last block i did work up to a single set of five conventional pain free mm-hmm. and nice. then so that's what we're kind of following that same model for squat and sumo this block and then we'll do some single leg stuff on day three okay. and see how that goes i i so hate I, I was doing um split squats this week and uh i just like man i hate these so much <laughs> just so much the whole time i'm doing them and yeah but I actually, and this is weird, I'm not going to try and sound like a salesman, but I usually don't wear my mouthpiece besides like for the big three lifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, you know, the first time we saw these before we ever started selling them, they sold them to us on like a balance test, right? So they, you'd stand on one foot, hold your arm up to the side and they'd push you down and you'd fall over and then you'd put a mouthpiece in, they'd, you'd do it and you had better balance, right? Mm. And, and like totally like a snake oil salesman, but at the time, like realistically, like I've had better balance than they had mouthpiece in, whether I would have just clenched my jaw anyway, I don't know. But right. anyway, so I'm like, I'm going to throw my mouthpiece in for these single legs. And it made it like way better. Placebo, really? I don't know, but my balance seemed way better. So hmm. um, yeah, I'll be keeping on the single leg work one day a week. Single leg with mouthpiece? With mouthpiece, yeah. I have to put yeah. that in the notes. But <laughs> Change the exercise uh, selection yeah. a little bit? Yeah, with kit, uh, mouthpiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's gonna be interesting to hit this block and see where we go but mm-hmm. 
How about you? You're uh, you're back into a little bit of gear. Oh man! So two weeks to the end of the block, uh, everything just kind of fell apart. My hips started acting up. My shoulders starting to get a little banged up, and uh, we took a really high volume approach on this block. It's the first time I've pushed raw volume in a long time. Um, so it was a bit of an experiment and I think it, uh, you know, the wheels kind of fell off near the end. So this past week, I basically said to Mike, I was like, look, I'm going to like mess around with some stuff. I need some wins and I'm just going to try to like modify what you've got laid out so that I can, you know, uh, have, have good productive feeling training. So, um, I did some straps down work on Monday for the first time uh, since that one time I did 220 with my straps down and said, hell no, never again. Um, and again, doing straps down work with no knee wraps, I found I just like shot forward at the bottom, like so bad and just like rounded out in order to get anywhere close to depth. It felt terrible. But I was like, okay, just like don't, you know, people seem to like this for a reason. Let's give it a, a fair shake here. So I threw knee wraps on. Um, and then took a set at like 270 and I was like, okay, I can kind of see where this is going. I feel like the knee wraps for whatever reason helped me kind of stay back and actually get into the suit a little bit instead of just getting tossed around by it. Um, and ended up with a triple at 305 that felt nice and easy and no pain, uh, which was a great thing. So came back out of my suit and did all my raw volume work. So it was like 305 to 215 kind of thing. But uh, yeah, that was, that was good. That was fun. Uh, I think finished with a bench around like 190 or 195 there. Um, and then my day two, I was going to, I was thinking about getting back into my loose suit because my comp suit uh, was super, super tight. Uh, I've, I've grown into it a little <laughs> bit, I think. The Dean uh, Bowering method. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think I'm a little bit closer to like 118, 119 now. Whereas I think the last time I was in it was like 116, 117. But uh just went in and we were filming some deadlift stuff uh, at the Strength Edge. We just put out a video on like some lockout issues and exercise selection to try to uh, deal with that. But anyways, so I ended up pulling on pound plates on a Texas bar. And that was enough of like just kind of slightly changing things that it felt a little bit different off the floor. My position was maybe a tiny bit better and uh, was able to work up to what I should have hit the week before uh, without any pain. And it, it felt great. So... Yeah, I think that uh, moving forward, I don't know what I'm going to do, whether, uh, you know, like Provincials is is potentially on the docket here for September. We'll see. Calgary's uh, climbing in, in COVID cases pretty steadily, and there's been some um, outbreaks linked to, like, spin cycles and some other places downtown and stuff. So not sure if we'll go ahead with a, a big meet in September, but who knows. And I'm trying to decide whether to do it raw or equipped, basically, is what I'm getting at. And I'm leaning towards equipped. Yeah. So we'll see. I think it's it's about time I'm getting that itch. And a lot of it for me is, you know, when when raw training starts to peter out and I start feeling like, okay, I've gotten a little bit stronger raw. Now things are starting to hurt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> get back in the equipment and yeah. see uh, hopefully that raw strength transfers over and translates, you know? Yeah, I mean that's the way to do it. Um, I think uh, I think you could just do like you know like a loose maybe a loose gear meet if that's a, on the on the horizon. Um, yeah, 
I know that's, I think your guys' provincials is scheduled for the same weekend that ours was supposed to be. September 25th, 26th, yeah. I believe, yeah. Happy birthday. That's my birthday. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, just in case anyone wants to send me presents, you know, love to do that much language you guys. Yeah, we had ours on that same weekend, and, and we decided to delay it here. So yeah. we'll have to see kind of where that's at. We're Even like the hall we are, we were planning to have it in, like they're not renting it to anybody because it's mm-hmm. it's their responsibility to ensure social distancing is maintained. Yeah. So like they would have to have staff there basically watching us at all times and they would be fined if we didn't do it. Right. So yeah, I don't know if, if we'll be able to have a place to do it at. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Worlds is still on the table there, Bryce. Like it hasn't been still a thing yeah. out there. Really? I, I don't understand. I don't understand the decision to like pull out of a meet on either side of it, but be like, uh, Norway's better. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like, I don't to know me. And then the prospect of a potential two week quarantine on either side of that. Yeah. It's just like, man, who's, who's got time for that? Even now when things are, you know, shut yeah. down all over the world. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like, holding my breath. That's all I'll say. I mean, if we had to quarantine and we went there, it'd be obviously a no go. Mm-hmm. If we had to quarantine when we came home, it wouldn't be the end of the world, I guess. But I really, yeah. I don't think I can imagine sitting on a plane for eight hours, whatever that long flight would be, mm-hmm. wearing a mask. Because I, I think I'd want to wear a mask the whole time I was on the plane. Yeah. So I think the other thing is, like, we looked at flights from Calgary anyways, and I don't think you can go direct. So you yeah. would have to stop in the States somewhere or, you know, wherever that connector would be. Uh, so then you're looking at a whole bunch more, I don't know, uh, exposure, interaction, et cetera. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I said that to Mike last night when I was talking about the next block. It's like Worlds is not taken away from us yet, but at this point I'm not really counting on it being a thing. So I'm fine with continuing in this raw format and um, who knows? Have you, did you look at the... Uh, the uh, classic worlds nominations. Uh, I saw so a, a lifter that I used to coach is going to worlds again, and she posted a a shot a screenshot of the women's nominations, and it's just like five countries, six yeah. countries. Yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty slim. I don't really understand I, publicly, like public perception wise, even like mm-hmm. I don't know why the IPF is still going through with it. It just seems like if if they do it and then there's suddenly a link to that event like that to me would look not ideal. bad on, on the IPF, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things that like, uh, I was talking to a buddy last night and talking about how training is just, is weird right now. Uh, mm-hmm. like for me, the, the, the competition is such a big part and such a big sort of motivator of, of why I love the sport is to, to get out there and compete against guys. Um, And to have that just kind of taken away for the indefinite future, it does like give a lend lend a really weird context to training or or take away some of that context. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I also don't think that like oh we need to power lift is like an okay justification to be like oh let's like put a bunch of people at risk, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's. To me right now, it's just better to hold off, stay safe. Let's mm-hmm. slow this down a little bit. There's 
we're having pretty big outbreaks now in Saskatchewan, uh, oh, linked yeah. to hydrate colonies, basically. Yeah. And I've heard uh, of that. so, you know, but still now I'm wearing masks every time I go into a store, basically, like whereas two weeks ago I wasn't because there was basically nothing down here in the south of Saskatchewan. Right. So, you know, just trying to be safe when I have to go out and and yeah, I don't know. Hopefully yeah, it cools down and then masks have been mandated as of August first in yeah, Calgary. Yeah, Calgary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although gyms aren't on that list. So apparently oh, really? if, you're, if you're exercising or training or in a gym, you don't have to wear a mask. Hmm. I think that if I go in to train, I probably will. Um, I mean, you know, I'm smushing myself in a suit. I'm wrapping my knees. What's a piece of fabric on my, my on my face? You know, like it's just yeah. one more piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah, we had um, the other day. Uh, we had a couple people in bench shirts, yeah. and so I was lifting off for people. And so one time we said, like, if we're lifting off benches, like we're gonna wear masks because we're kind of face to face, basically. And totally. there's lots of spitting going on with that situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so basically, I was doing lift offs for people who were wearing masks and I was wearing a mask and I wasn't going to take it off. So I was doing my bench with the mask on and it was fine. The only thing I noticed was that it like had a tendency to kind of ride up and push against my eyelids almost, okay. which yeah. was slightly distracting, but not exactly the end of the world. So yeah. Yeah. But the more you wear it, the more comfortable you'll be. And I don't know, it's, it's not that big of an inconvenience. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Better, um, than, better than sitting on a ventilator in a, in an ER or a, an ICU for two weeks. Undoubtedly so. Yeah. So. Um, do we have any questions? Yeah, we do have one question cool. um, from Chris. All right. uh, his question is, do you think RPE or percentage-based programming are more effective for equipped training? Ooh, okay. Do you want to, do you have a, a response prepared? I, I don't have one prepared, but I can <laughs> go off the cuff. Um, sure. I, I mean, I've done both for sure. Um, I think uh, for someone newer to it, it's going to be tough to do percentage-based, right? You maybe don't have an actual max in gear, mm -hmm. so having a percentage to work off of is pretty tough. Um, and then realistically, like week to week, the way you wear your gear, so like if your legs are a little lower in the suit or arms are a little torqued more in the shirt, you know, 80% might be significantly easier one week than the other. So. I would kind of lean towards percentage is good for guidelines, but just use RPE or whatever you want to call it to mm -hmm. kind of um, inform what you're doing. Like don't don't not really work hard because this week your knee wraps are way tighter because someone's wrapping you or right. something like that. Right? Use use the way it feels to to kind of guide you. Yeah, I think I would probably um, pretty wholeheartedly echo that sentiment. Um, I think that there might be sort of a, a, a school of thought that, um, you know, you, you take your raw max and then, you know, suits, uh, is their suit bottoms is, is 20%. Uh, and then, you know, you add knee wraps and that's 5% and you can like estimate this stuff. And, and maybe if you're really good at that kind of thing, it gives you somewhere to aim for, but there's still so much variance to, you know, how well you perform the rep. So your execution of each rep can vary so much uh, and to such a greater extent, I think, than raw lifting that I think RP really becomes um, 
such an important tool in terms of fine tuning your equipped training and, and to be able to like, okay, I'm in a tighter suit this week or I tried new knee wraps or, you know, any of those variables, things like you said with somebody else wrapping you, you know, you still want to try to s- equate that training and, and come up with some ideas of, you know, whether or not you're progressing and, and some of these kinds of things that I think, again, you know, even if you're doing percentage based training, it makes sense to track your RPEs so that you have a measure of your estimated max and therefore can, you know, um, have a decent idea of whether your programming is working or not. Yeah, I think that's, that, that makes sense to me. I, I, it's, uh, and I kind of would recommend that even if you're not doing a pure RPE based program anyway, mm-hmm. you know, allow your body to kind of dictate and how you're feeling dictate a little bit of wiggle room on that percentage, mm-hmm. especially with equipped. Like I, I remember back in the day we used to try to, um, I used to do a little bit of that percentage manipulation off based off of raw, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, uh, for like knee wraps to be, you know, maybe 105 or 107% of, of raw max. And, but it's, it's so variable. Like some mm-hmm. people get so much out of knee wraps some people get so little. So yeah. it's pretty tough. Totally. Uh, apparently breaking news just, just in, uh, classic worlds and bench worlds are canceled. Oh, wow. So, from, from the IPF. Yeah, Ray wow. just sent that to me, and now she's trying to break into my office to tell me. <laughs> Breaking news! You heard yeah. it here first. Well, maybe <laughs> if, you, if you haven't checked Facebook <laughs> before we release this tomorrow. I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you hear the you hear it here first. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Which makes sense. There's when there's I think only so. it's five, six, seven countries. Yeah, and I it's just it not safe sense. to do. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. So all that being said, we're going to roll into our interview here. Uh, now this week we had the distinct pleasure of interviewing, interviewing rather, uh, Julian Johansson, an Icelandic lifter. He's been lifting uh, since tw- 2009 uh, when he was 15. He recently pulled 409 kilos in competition, which is, I believe, the second heaviest deadlift in the IPF. And uh, I know he put 420 and a half on the bar in Dubai and took a crack at that too. So uh, huge deadlift, 120 plus kilo lifter and um, still making a heck of a lot of progress. Uh, we had a really, really good chat. Um, I personally enjoyed it a lot. I thought he had uh, some interesting insight, uh, had some, some, some wit and a little bit of banter. And uh, yeah, it was a, was a blast chatting with Julian. So um, yeah. We hope you enjoy our interview, and um, if you have any questions or anything like that, go ahead and leave them on our YouTube or email us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail.com, and uh, go ahead and leave a rating, review, and subscribe. Do you subscribe to podcasts? If yeah, you do, I think, I think so. Yeah, if you do, do that, please, and uh, <laughs> enjoy. All right. Excellent. So, yeah, first off, man, like a... Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time and we appreciate you being here. We're excited to chat with you about this stuff. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, good to be with you guys. Awesome. So without getting too, um, uh, too deep into it, uh, you've been competing since about 2009, uh, when you were 15. Um, and how did you first get introduced into the sport of powerlifting? Um, I, I think I was introduced to through just uh, the common uh, common uh, knowledge or uh, history of of Iceland, the uh, 
the uh, it's very rich in the the okay, wait, wait I'm sorry I'm looking That's for okay. the word here yeah it's okay. Um, yeah okay yeah so I, I got introduced to powerlifting at age 15 I think really uh, it's rich in the culture here in Iceland to to train strength sports and uh, all all the way reaching back to the uh, sagas in the middle ages uh, the history of, uh, the story of of Grettir Sterki the Grettir the strong and uh, and Aids and and all these vikings uh, but also here in the 20th century where we have Jón Páll Sigmarsson and Magnus Ver Magnusson and all these all these strongmen guys and uh, of course we have been competing in IPF since uh, the 70s so we have a, a rich uh, culture for strength sports and uh, like many boys I was 15 years old and wanted to get stronger so I think that was my way in yeah I've, uh, I've, I've always been you know big for my age but uh, at, the, at the time where I was like 13 14 I I weighed uh, 90 kilos was the similar height I am today and and I stopped growing upwards so I decided <laughs> let's grow you know bigger <laughs> outwards yeah yeah awesome. so was there any other sports you kind of got involved in as a as a young person yeah, I, I trained um, some sports. I, like many here in Iceland, uh, soccer, football is the number one choice. So I started there. Uh, that was not a match for me. I, I trained judo, judo, you know, the martial art from yeah. Japan. Uh, and then I, I ended up in basketball and trained, trained basketball for five years. And that, you know, again, I think that was because I was tall for a 12-year-old, but then I stopped growing, so I was not tall for a 19-year-old, you know. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever uh, do you ever en enjoy those sports nowadays? Do you ever get a chance to play those, or if you did, would you? Yeah, I, I don't play them often, but sometimes I go to basketball, but I'm, I'm quite heavy now, so it's, it's a lot of work running up the court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard but uh but everybody like gets out of your way yeah. right yeah yeah no problem just backing <laughs> up to the basket you know <laughs> so you, you mentioned the cultural um strength sports uh, yeah. and iceland's kind of famous for their um the stones the, the lifting stones mm -hmm. um, have you ever attempted any of the the big stones like the hussefeld stone or anything like that I've not done the Husafell stone, but uh, as a boy traveling around Iceland, I've tried all of the all of the other stones. The stones were used uh, uh, most most regularly. There were four types of stones from uh, like 20 kilos up to 100 and something kilos, uh, and they were used to decide uh, how much you would get paid as a fisherman. So if if you oh. would go okay. if you would go for the biggest stone, you would get the full share. Hmm. Uh, full full strong. Then the the smallest is Amlode or weakling. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. So would you get yeah. you'd get full share of the fisherman pay? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Of course. <laughs> Um, so something I really wanted to talk about, um, and as, as somebody who, 
you know, maybe has some long-term aspirations to, uh, to that same, same, uh, deadlift record that you attempted, uh, for your third attempt in Dubai there. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your deadlift. Uh, I know you recently pulled 409, which is, is mm-hmm. huge, man. And congrats on that. It was a wonderful lift. Um, but I did want to try to get into that um, because, you know, you don't see a whole lot of 120 pluses continuing to be able to progress their deadlifts to the point where you have. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe you could let us into some of the things that you think have helped you be so successful in the deadlift. Yes, definitely. Um, as you say, there are not so many, many great deadlifters in the super heavyweight. And I think, uh, of course, we had Brad Gillingham and mm-hmm. before the, before that, and at the same time, Tito from Hungary and uh, Lars Noren, of course, and, mm-hmm. and all these big names. But uh, for the last 10 years or so, or, or since Brad Gillingham maybe stepped a little bit down, there have been very few. Of course, we have Ray Williams, who is mm-hmm. very strong overall. Uh, but at, at some point, I thought like the deadlift was moving down to 93-105 for some years. Mm-hmm. The biggest deadlifters were there. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I love the deadlift. It's it's my favorite thing to train, and and has always been. So uh, so I, I thought a lot about it. At one time, I, I tried the, the sumo stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, tried that for seven Cheating, seven months, <laughs> as you call it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried that for seven months, but. But at the time, I thought, you know, the biggest pools would not be done sumo. I thought the biggest pools must be done or must, you know, would be done uh, in conventional. Mm-hmm. I was later proven wrong, you know, but but uh, let's for see now. still. For now. Yeah, for yeah, now, yeah. for now. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I think, uh, of course, as you get bigger, your, your palms and hands get bigger. And uh, I think the grip is... What is uh, hindering many of the athletes in the plus super heavyweight and mm-hmm. and even in in the heavyweight category? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was a, a game changer if I if I can use that word uh, when I changed to uh, hook grip. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, both it it uh, allows you to put a a different or, or and even a better position on the spine. It gives you a, a little bit, if you have long enough thumbs, it gives you a little bit shorter lift. It, and of course, you don't have to worry about the grip. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, that was uh, a game changer. And uh, thinking back, it was mainly because when I tried sumo deadlifting, I, I only trained hook grip. I thought if I was going to sumo, I would use a hook grip or, or I would not sumo. So it was sumo with hook grip or no sumo for me. <clears throat> and at the time I trained uh, for seven months with the hook grip and that was horrifying, of course, every set and reps. <laughs> uh, but then, then I, I uh, rested the hook grip and went back to conventional and pulled the mixed grip. Uh, and at the Junior Worlds 2014 in Oroshasa, Hungary, I, uh, I found in my second deadlift, it was slipping a little bit. And I needed the third deadlift to, to go into bronze medal position. Uh, we were three guys or four guys from third down to fifth with 
2.5 kilos between us. So it was quite the competition. And mm-hmm. as, as they are, you know, the best competition, it's when the kilos really matter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I changed the hook grip and it all fit together. You know, it was nice. uh, very good. And I've been using the hook grip ever since. Okay. Awesome. Strong case for hook grip. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, hook grip is the biggest, but, but there are many other, other variation I have used for the deadlift, which have, I think at least suited me very well. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, high rep work with, with low weight once a week and, uh, yeah. and, uh, block pulls, you know, mm-hmm. strengthening the, the upper part of the mod- movement. Mm-hmm. For me, the start of the movement has never been the an issue. I've, I've always, since since 16 years old, I've been able to start way heavier than I can ever finish. So that mm-hmm. was also a big part of the the journey of the deadlift yeah. for me. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out what what exercises and rep ranges and that kind of stuff work for you. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of mentioned. Um, pulling uh higher reps lighter weight once a week mm-hmm. um yeah. and i believe you also uh live for mondays which i think is yeah. when you deadlift heavy so do you deadlift heavy once a week and, and light once a week is that uh i live for mondays but that's more of a you know a statement of of state of mind you know okay. uh, it's it's a new week you get to start a new week by working towards your goals it's you know, I, I, I don't live by the, I hate Montes, like we hear so many times, I think. Yeah. And I believe if you like what you do, you love Montes. <laughs> uh, but but for me, Montes are light deadlifts, actually. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, 50%. Uh, then heavier on, on Wednesdays and heavier on Fridays. Yeah. That's mostly the case. So you deadlift three days a week, and does it so yeah. it increases throughout the week? So light Monday, heavier Wednesday, then heaviest Friday. No, it's um, Wednesday and Fridays are pretty similar in percentage, but uh, maybe a little bit uh, difference in uh, in the movement and so on. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And focus points, yeah. But I, so, I, when I started deadlifting three times a week, you know, because we know how fun the deadlift is. So deadlifting three times a week and two times heavy, it's the best, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to know your secrets for deadlifts and I didn't want you to say that working hard was the secret. So unfortunately it sounds like that is the secret. It's just to work hard. Yeah, mostly, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but uh, fi- finding the technique which suits you. Uh, I, I have long arms. Uh, that's that's pretty good in the deadlift, worse in mm-hmm. the bench, but good in the deadlift. Uh, my training partner, who is a junior powerlifter, Guðfinnur, super heavyweight, he has very short arms. So he has to find completely different technique than I have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, really interesting for me training with him because, because seeing just how much the leverage has changed, you know, mm-hmm. it's a completely different movement. Yeah. Uh, but finding the right technique which suits you and uh, and finding maybe your weak points i think that's number one or two and and loving the work that's yeah. my, my yeah that seems like a really big recurring thing is like yeah i mean even for me with the bench press once i kind of 
uh, learned to, to start enjoying the bench press and looking forward mm-hmm. to the bench press. I started seeing some progress there and yeah. I, I doubt that was the whole picture, but I, I certainly think that's a part of, you know, that approach that you take into the training session with you. So it's cool to hear that echoed with the deadlifting three times a week. What does the frequency of your other lifts look like? How often are you doing each of the lifts throughout the week? Yeah, I do everything three times a week. Uh, okay. Three times deadlift, three times squat, and uh, three, two, two, three times bench. Uh, I've had through the through the past five or six, six or seven years uh, a recurring injury in my chest muscles. So okay, it it has stopped me quite a bit from from training raw bench as much as I I have wanted. Uh, but I have to be training smart and uh, and lower lower intensity or lower volume and more intensity. I really have to mm-hmm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just I want to jump back to the hookup for one second. Um, uh, the uh, Steve Ringwood actually asked, so I'm kind of jumping ahead to a question. Um, do you did you find any difficulties with the when you were doing it consistently? Was it less um, reliable for you? Uh, sorry if that may that make sense. I find that yeah. when I do hook grip a lot, it starts to, it's like my thumbs like get over it and I can't, it just falls out of my hand. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I only trained the hook grip while I was training the sumo. And that was never high weights, only to around 300 kilos. Um, and but I remember that was very painful and and uh, not good, you know. <laughs> but uh, after after I changed completely my conventional deadlift to to with hook grip, I uh, I have not trained hook grip. I train the hook grip only for one or two lifts every in every meat prep or so, just to just to put it in the mind that it is there. But you know. I really don't think if you have have it, it it won't go. I think so, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have to train it. It's just uh, it's turning my thumb into a to a you know band or something. You know, it's 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 there. Yeah. So and you're I, I, using, Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I think I think you should not train it too much. I think you should just know it is there. That's my opinion. So then you use straps for most of your training then. Yeah, most of my training. Uh, I, I use mixed grip also, but uh, up until like 320 kilos mostly. Yeah. Right. Interesting. That's good to hear that because I haven't used my hook grip in like four or five months now. So <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> it's good. still there, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's there. You know, it's good. So you mentioned um, bench hasn't really been your friend. Um, mm-hmm. and recently in Dubai, you wore an Inzer bolt bench yeah. shirt. Yeah. So like, we know that you're definitely brave. Um, <laughs> but have, the ads. have you had any issues with them blowing out on you? No, none issues, none at all. But uh, I've only wore, uh, I've never worn, uh, worn a, a tight Inzer bolt, uh, shirt. They, they're like, um, maybe one size big or, or something like that. At least I can put my, put my uh, finger under the arms, you know, the sleeves. Okay. So there is enough room there. Uh, but it was a big surprise for me. I had, you know, after seeing Joe uh, 
tearing three insert shirts in at nationals one year. I I never thought I was going to wear them, but then I my training partner uh, gave me one, so I I tried it and. It was a, a big blessing for me, at least in Dubai. It, it meant uh, 15 kia, kilo PR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, and kind of, I know that Inzer is re-releasing the bolt basically now, like with mm-hmm. a redesign. I think to get rid of some of that issues. Is that? Do you okay. know if the one you're using is a redesign? No, no, it's an old design. I think. Okay. I think so, but uh, I am looking forward to trying the new. Uh, yeah, they, we have yeah we have an insert dealer in Iceland, you know, as the who is selling the products, and uh, he's been pushing them on to me for many years, and I've been like nah nah. Then I tried it, and it I really like it. Yeah. Right. So I got a question, maybe for for both of you guys. I've never used uh, Inzer equipment, and what would you say are, you know, like Julian for you, what what did you like about the bolt that you weren't getting from other shirts? I'm not sure really, but uh, I felt like uh, my super, super katana low cut, uh, like it was giving me the the comfort all the way up. It was not following me through the motion in something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the insert is doing for me, at mm-hmm. least uh, when I've used it. But I still have a. A long way to go to maybe learn better into the bolt yeah uh, yeah and what do you you have some experience with it as well ryan have you used the bolt at all uh i had a couple back in 2014 era like when i think there was a inzer dealer at worlds that year and i i grabbed i snagged one there and um i wore it maybe three or four times and it started to fray in the shoulder and I kind of got chicken and, <laughs> and put it aside. So, uh, but now they're re-releasing it. I, I'm trying to get one. So interesting. It'd be yeah. cool to see how that, how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Dobbins came to me after the world's in Dubai and, uh, yeah. He told me something like I had a death wish or something like that. Funny <laughs> <laughs> guy. Um, so maybe we'll take a bit of a, a bit of a departure here, but you've, you've done some classic lifting, right? Um, worlds yeah. in 2018 as well. Um, yeah. what's your, what are your sort of, what's your take on, on classic versus equipped and which maybe do you enjoy or do you enjoy one more? Or is it just kind of different or what's, what's your take on all that? Uh, for me, it's completely different. Uh, I would like to see the classic powerlifting with knee reps. You know, I would like to see the knee reps there mm-hmm. for me. Uh, but uh, I enjoy classic lifting and it's completely different. You can, there is little stress about equipment, little stress about get, hitting depth, little mm-hmm. stress about touching the chest and all these, these uh, things which, which you obsess about in the, the training for uh, equipped powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's, a good uh, change, you know, uh, now and then to to take uh, compete in these meets, and we've had here in Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a classic powerlifting competition, Reykjavik International Games, mm-hmm. uh, and I I often try to compete there. It's a fun meet and it's televised here in Iceland, all of Iceland, and uh, gets good exposure and so on. So it's it's a very fun event. Mm-hmm. 
but I've never, what I've never done is I've never devoted 14 or 12 weeks to a classic meet. And that's something I, I still have to do, but, but I've, I've done them and, and like powerlifting, it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So for you, what, what is it that keeps you in, in equipment over, over time? Is that just kind of what you, what you prefer or like what, uh, yeah. What, what draws you to equipment? Uh, no, like many have said before, you know, I, I started in 2008 and nine and that was just powerlifting. Then I, I competed mm-hmm. with, with in a singlet and knee reps, my first three or four competitions. And then I, I had saved up enough money to buy myself equipment because that was powerlifting, you know, mm-hmm. um, but now the bench shirt, it does good for me, my chest muscles. I'm not sure I could could handle all the raw work needed, you know, uh, just thinking about the muscles, just, uh, and the knee reps. I really like the knee reps, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also like, like many other powerlifters have said, and, and you too, uh, I think both of you have said it. it's the X factor of the equipment, you know, it's a competition, yeah. it's, it's going in for a bench, failing it and coming back and taking it easy. You know, it's, it's, uh, the thrill of the competition, which X, the equipment gives, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. yeah. And for me, you know, you can, you can do so much more for a longer time in equipment than you can do raw. Uh, I think equipment is what uh, has been both letting powerlifting athletes compete well into their forties, uh, while Olympic weightlifters are are done with their career long before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have that issue. We have have the the competition, and also it gives it more variety in training. Yeah. Yeah. So just. Um stick with that for a minute. You mentioned that the bench shirt has allowed you to kind of keep training the bench hard. Are you in mm-hmm. your equipment like weekly then, or is it? No, but pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just training for the, the equipment is, is different overall. You're doing more tricep work and more banded work, I think, and, and to boards and, and so on. So you can train the equipped bench from, a if you if we if you say from a wider angle of right. exercises than mm-hmm. than the raw bench, that's right. allowed you to kind of de-emphasize the pack more than yeah yeah right. Uh, but I I think also that is because you know I have I have long arms for the deadlift. That means in the bench, you know, I open up my chest muscle a lot more than those who have short arms. Mm-hmm. So right. it's it's like you know powerlifting you. There is no one good in all of the disciplines. That's the beauty of it as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then we have Ray Williams, who's pretty good at all disciplines, and Blaine Summers, and yeah. There's a few few outliers, I think, there, but... I think, yeah, I think a lot of people tend to be kind of shaped towards one or or two or so of the lifts, and maybe not one in a very real way. Speaking of, of body shapes and sizes and stuff, um, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, I know you're, you're a 120 plus, you're super heavyweight. So I, mm-hmm. the, we had a few listener questions and that actually 
made me think to ask a number of other questions, but with your, your nutrition and your body weight and body composition sort of goals and strategies, what does all that look like for a plus? Are you like actively trying to gain weight all the time? Are you maintaining for a while? Do you do little cuts or, you know, what, what does some of that look like for a, for a 120 plus athlete? Um, mostly I aim to maintain. Okay. Uh, that's that's been the 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 main you know uh, main part of my powerlifting career trying to maintain my weight i've gone okay. up, uh, up all the time of course but mm-hmm. i'm trying to maintain no no i'm joking uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm that's my life <laughs> you got me you got me there i was i was fully buying that i was like okay you know yeah but i'm 170 kilos now i've never been heavier okay uh, for me, I think uh, I'm for the longest time I've been around 160, 165, um, around that, uh, and I like it there, you know. And but I like it here as well, 170. It feels good. Right. Uh, but I came out of this, of course, like here in Iceland, like everywhere else, we had uh, different circumstances in in our daily routine. Uh, but of, it's looking better here in Iceland and mm-hmm. all of the restrictions have been lifted, well, most of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the time, me and my girlfriend Ellen uh, just had a baby in March this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a few, thank you. A few days after that, uh, there came this lockdown and I uh, was fortunate enough to get some weights to my basement. Mm-hmm. to a very small room in the basement uh, mm-hmm. where I could train. Uh, and I gained, you know, I went from 167 to 179 in three months of COVID. So it was a <laughs> time of gains, you know. Yeah, the COVID-15 yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think I, I mostly, I don't have to to eat much or or uh, force feed me to stay mm-hmm. around 65. It's it's fairly easy for me. I'm dr- I've dropped down to 70 now after after a few days of uh, holiday, and mm-hmm. uh, I think I will be around 65 for the longest part. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't like actively track your food and weigh in all the time, or you just kind of don't worry about that kind of stuff, or? Yeah, yeah, I, I do it like seasonally, not all the time, right. but okay. I take, take maybe every other month doing it, right. and it it uh, most lo- mostly comes down to like four thousand five hundred calories per day, sometimes five thousand five hundred, and sometimes four thousand, yeah. but it's always in that range, so. So it's not a lot of food I have to eat to get that. Interesting. Okay. Um, and one more thing about, about the nutrition. So I, I like to go through and just like scroll through people's Instagram feeds, kind of just all the way back and see what people were posting back when oh. Instagram first became a thing. And as I scrolled through your timeline, I started Thank coming you. across yeah. a, an indes- like a undescribable amount of pictures of giant quantities of eggs. Uh, there's, there's a lot of photos of eggs. <laughs> yeah, was yeah. that, was that like a favorite food of yours when you were gaining weight? Nah, no, no, definitely not gaining weight. I was, uh, actually that, that season I, I lost weight. I, uh, I was living So no eggs own. then, don't do the eggs. No, I, I got, <laughs> I got a very good egg sponsor who gave me oh, a lot okay. of eggs. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but, but I lost, lost like 15 kilos eating 
I was living, a, living, I was living alone, you know, and uh, yeah. trying to save up money for something, and and uh, mostly eating eggs and uh, an Icelandic yogurt called skir. Right. So both are low carb. Uh, yeah, but I. It's good, yeah. <laughs> egg and yogurt diet. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what? only good when you live alone, I think. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, what was your what was your favorite method of preparing eggs? How did you cook them? Uh, I mostly do omelets. You oh, know, okay. uh, so, yeah, omelets. Yeah. Do you have um, a Do you have a number of eggs record in your omelet? What's the biggest omelet you've ever made? Maybe 10, 12 eggs. I think is the biggest, but. Okay. Uh, I solid. think I've done, yeah, I think I, I was doing 30x a day for that period. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Uh, okay. uh, Sweet. Uh, Egg sponsor. Yeah. I got to get one of those. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad sponsor to have. <laughs> um, so we have a habit of asking people about their experiences with the World Games. Um, yeah. Because, you know, that's kind of the pinnacle of our of our sport here. Um, yeah. Can you we talk to us there. about yeah, uh, yeah, and I know I know you didn't have a great day in in Poland like a lot of us. Um, <laughs> no, but can you kind of talk us through your experience in 2017? Yeah, definitely. Well, it is an understatement saying I, I did not have a great day, but thank you for that. Um, I had a horrible day. It was, but but like so many, we were four guys in the heaviest group bombing out in uh, squats. I think and. And then playing in the deadlift. Uh, but uh, for me, you know, and like you said, it's a pinnacle of the sport. It's something you look forward to. And uh, I had was very hyped about getting an invitation, uh, being the first Icelander going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my mistake, number one, was competing in the Europeans. I competed in May in the Europeans in Spain. And did a short uh, prep for that because I was trying to save me for the World Games. Uh, so I bombed in the Europeans because of the short prep. Okay. And then the short prep for Europeans destroyed my long prep for the World Games. And I bombed in the World Games as well. So it, it was a very, very, very hard summer for me. Yeah. Powerlifting and sports in life, you know, you you get your ups and downs, but you come back stronger, and that's number one for me. Yeah. Uh, and I, my aim is, of course, going to another World Games and uh, putting up better results. Putting up any results is better than last one, but mm-hmm. but definitely, you know, coming back strong, stronger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask if uh, if you've got your sights set on whenever World Games is going to happen. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I, that's my goal. Goal, yeah, being at the next World Games. Uh, but now, you know, we don't know if the Olympic lifting is going to be put out of the Olympics. So maybe we'll we'll be aiming for Tokyo in next year. What do you yeah, think about who, that? Who knows. <laughs> Who knows, man? Have you um, have you talked to Gaston, or does he know anything? Uh, no, I I, I have no idea. Him. I don't. Uh, I haven't spoken with him. Yeah. Um, 
so I think we'll head into our next little segment here. And we like to talk to everybody about the, uh, about the equipment specifically that you like to wear. Uh, I know we got a pretty good chat in about the bolt and, and switching mm-hmm. to that shirt. Uh, but mm-hmm. what do you like to use for a, a squat suit and a deadlift suit? Um, and I mean, some people like to know about sizes and stuff. So, uh, yeah. do you get custom or what size and, and just let us in on some of that. Yeah, for the longest time, I, I only competed in Titan equipment from uh, Super Centurion squat suit, uh, uh, Super Katana low cut Ben shirt, and mm-hmm. uh, well, I never used a Titan deadlift suit, but I I competed in metal, met metal, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, oh, until they stopped stopped buying the licensing fee for from IPF for equipment. Right. I really like the metal deadlift deadlift suit, uh, but then I, I I did not have much faith in the Titan deadlift suit. I don't know what that was. I never tried it, but it was something in my head. Yeah. So I I went to the Insur Fusion deadlift. Okay. Yeah, I think Ryan and, uses one of those too. Yeah, yeah, and that has been a very good step for me as well. They have suited me very well, mm-hmm. and I think they are they are. You know, not too stiff, but still not as soft as the metal equipment, and uh, and the uh, the back side of the fusion, the two two seams across the back. I think mm-hmm. that's something good. Yeah. Okay. And do you usually use uh, custom stuff, or do you just kind of order stock? Well, uh, yeah, I order stock. I. Uh, but yeah, I, now I compete in all Inser, Inser Pulsed, Inser Fusion Deadlift Suit, and Inser TRX uh, Squat Suit. Okay. And yeah, I feel like the, the TRX Squat Suit suited me better yeah. just by making it more secure for me to reach that. You know, it's okay. it's, sti- it's still not very secure that I reach that, but <laughs> it's it's better, you know, Yeah. one step, one step at a time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, I, I order everything stock. I once tried squat suit, and by the time I got it, you know, eight weeks later, uh, I had lost some kilos, and it was way too big for me. So okay, uh, yeah. Um, and so, do you? Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, uh, what sizes do you, do you know? What sizes you wear? Yeah, I wear uh, uh, forty-six uh, insert. TRX squat suit, four six, and uh, in the bench shirt I'm five four, fifty four, and uh, deadlift uh, suit number five two, fifty two. What what cool. are you? Uh, I think I'm a forty in the deadlift suit, oh. and I used to be a thirty eight in the TRX, but. I think I, might, I tried to put a, t- a TRX on um, last training block and it didn't go very well. So I went back in my Centurion. Um, so yeah, I think I'm probably, yeah. I'm probably a 40 TRX now. And then I, I haven't worn a, I think I had a 50 or a 52 bolt mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and then also why is blue the best color suit? Cause you only, you seem to only wear blue. Um, you know, number one, my girlfriend says blue suits me very well. <laughs> there you go. That's a very <laughs> solid reason. 
No, I, I like the color and uh, it represents Iceland a little bit. You know, we have not mm-hmm. been able to get the custom suits like many other nations. Um, blue, like like the ocean all around Iceland in the flag, you know, but uh, but there are some other reasons for it. Uh, I don't know how how deep I should go into the matter, but I think it for the squat as well, I think it will will uh, show better the lines where where the thighs begin and so on for the judges i think it's it gives you or gives us the super heavyweight guys maybe a, a better chance of getting fair judging i, I think so all right i better Just, order a blue suit then yeah it's time to get blued out ryan <laughs> <laughs> but the, these are all you know just uh high both hypothesis Hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah. Hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And do you do any sort of modifications to your gear? Like, do you have a sewing machine or do you sit there and stitch it by hand or you just kind of wear it? No, no, I I just wear it. I I, I, I actually, actually, uh, sometimes I go to a, to a shoemaker who lives, lives close to me, an old guy. And he, he helps me modify it a little bit. Just, just tighten and, and shortening and so, something like that, shortening mm. straps or or tightening something, uh, mm. but nothing major, just some uh, very regular stuff. Yeah, right. no, nothing. Yeah, nothing. I would imagine nothing like blame. He wouldn't even tell you what he does to the equipment. Uh, yeah, I think he. <laughs> I think he, he pleaded the fifth on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, what yeah. are your favorite knee wraps? Uh, the the red and black answer, yeah, I think for both training and competition. But recently, I've changed to the yellow answer wraps with the the plastic or or silicone cover on one side. Have you seen it? Yeah, the grippers. The grippers. The grippers. Yeah, yeah, and they are very hurtful. But uh, yes. I like <laughs> yes, them for competitions. Are. Yeah, <laughs> but you know you can turn them inside out, right? And you can put the rubber on the outside. And then they don't hurt, uh, but they still grip. Interesting. Interesting. That's, that's, a, that's a Russian <laughs> secret. Okay. Okay. Um, but oh, I've I never need, heard of that you, before. You Ryan. need to change into the atomics, which are blue, and then they'd match the rest uh, of your outfit. They're yeah. like ultra grippers. <laughs> yeah. These are good. I will tell my coach earlier than this. Rule I know I've seen is... people turn them inside out. I think it was Russians that yeah. I first saw doing that. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. There's one of those like deep cut, just like nuggets that somebody will miss if they don't listen to the whole podcast. (laughs) Uh, And then do you wear flats or heels for squats? Uh, Heels. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I've always worn heels. Um, How how about you guys? Do you wear flats? No heels for me. I wear like a small heel. Yeah, I think the yeah. flats are fa- fashion or something. I don't think <laughs> it's good, you know. I, I yeah. tried I tried very hard and I, my hips got very angry. <laughs> I, just, I just have a hard time hitting depth. Yeah. It just feels so much tougher yeah. to get to depth in, in flats. Well, I think yeah. uh, I think we'll now move on and, and dive into some, some questions from listeners. And we, it looks like we got a whole bunch of really good questions from okay. people um, that wanted to know more about you. Um, so the first one, did you, you took this one in Ryan? I did. Yeah. Did you have any context for this or no? No. Okay. Besides, he's so the, from Iceland. So I think that's what matters. 
Okay, so he was uh, he was asking, do you eat rotten shark? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's uh, Icelandic delicacy. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. is it? It's just literally rotten shark. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Yeah, it's like fermented shark. Okay. Uh, so uh, it tastes rotten, and it is a shark. <laughs> But it's, it's, you know, national and it's good. It's part of the history. Okay. And you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. it's, it's mostly, nowadays, it's mostly only eaten uh, in the first uh, old month of, of, of the old calendar here in Iceland. Okay. Um, so foreign, it's, it's from, uh, it's in January, basically. It's in January, yeah. Okay. But it's there are many f- festivals and feasts of of fermented food, all from uh, from heads of sheep to sharks and uh, to to uh, the ball sacks of sheep and and basically everything of the sheep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So does this is this like equipped lifting? Is it like kind of tough to get through, but you you end up stronger? Is that yeah, kind of are we seeing seeing like a parallel here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, you always come out stronger. A <laughs> um, next question would be: uh, How has your training changed since you became a father? Uh, well, it's difficult to say at this point because I became a father in the middle of the COVID, you know, COVID era here. Uh, so it, the training has changed a little bit for me. I for the first thing I, I used to train at least for the last couple of years for three big training sessions per week, which was like from three to four hours each and 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 then more resting in the days between, maybe one one light training, but mostly mostly not. Uh, now after after I, I had became a father, I changed it up to six training sessions per week, but slightly slightly shorter, like one to two hours each time, so I would not be as long away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that are the, the main changes. But of course, it's not really comparable at this time because of the changes in environment, both yeah. nationally and, and internationally. You know, I mean, we have, have, have not had any international meets this year. Uh, we have not had any, you know, meets to train for, so it's been a, a really unconventional year. Yeah, you could call it a sumo year. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I had low hanging here. here. That, was, that was a dad joke. Oh. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, how long do you figure until your son out deadlifts you? Is that imminent? Do we have a few more years to wait? Maybe a few more years, but we'll <laughs> never know. He's a big boy. That's good. <laughs> yeah, he has a big thumb, and I, I think a he big can hook thumb, That's important. Yeah. But we will see, you know. He, he goes his own journey. That's that's mm-hmm. my saying now, you know. But hopefully it's powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts on people wearing ultra-tight knee sleeves? Uh, I like it, you know, just use the equipment. That's my, I think, I think it's good. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not a part of the the ultra tight knee sleeves are are uh, cheating uh, thing. You know, I think you should just use the equipment as you can. You know, it's they are knee sleeves. They will never give you anything. You know. <laughs> so these people should well, just get into knee wraps, is what you're saying? Yeah, knee wraps. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you think uh, is, and this one was from, uh, was from JP Couch, actually. He was wondering what you think the sort of top end or the absolute limit of the equipped deadlift is in the IPF. Do you, do you have an idea? Because obviously, you know, we're gunning for that 420 mark now that Christoph said it yeah. there. What, how far do you think past that we're going to see? I think uh, we have... We are still too far from the limit to say what it is, but maybe at this point in history, it's 503, four kilos in IPF. I think we are all aiming there. Damn. Uh, Yeah. I I don't think we should uh, put a mark at 420. I think we can go much higher. Yeah. I like that. I I like that attitude. I like that idea and that that sentiment. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll let you ask the next question, Bryce, because it's more your... Okay, sure. Um, so somebody asked, and I'm actually interested to know now as well, what your favorite heavy metal song is. Do you train to that kind of music at all? No, very little, very little. I, uh, I'm... Uh, do you count Wild Boys with Duran Duran? Sure. I don't know if I'd call that metal, but like <laughs> you can enjoy what you want to enjoy. Man. It's light metal. Yeah, 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 light metal. No, I I mostly train to like uh, to maybe eighties glam rock and some uh, some alternative rock or something and uh, yeah. and rap, uh, hip hop or rap. Yeah. Okay. So that's be the main thing and and Icelandic rock music. Yeah. So side question for my own, my own knowledge, if you were going to go for a a big heavy deadlift, what, what are you putting on? What are you putting on for music? Uh, I would put down uh, ACDC definitely. uh, Yeah. uh, Like Panta, you know, the song, you know, the rap song. Panta, some rappers sing Panta a lot. It's, it's. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. Panda, like the panda bear, panda. Yeah, panda. Yeah, bear. yeah, totally. Yeah. I know that song. That song's very hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very hype. Uh, Ryan's yeah, shaking his head. Some... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would put on put on some rap hype or ACDC or you know TNT or Thunderstruck or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something like that. I know Gino just got really excited somewhere when he heard the ACDC. So. <laughs> yeah, just the footage of him like singing at a wedding. Was that it? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I saw somebody's story and it was Gino like just giving her in somebody's wedding party. It's pretty great. <laughs> but, it, but the music is of course different. You know, sometimes you you're, you can only handle some for an X period of time. For the first year of my training, you know, there was only one CD. Yeah, that was so for one year straight, we listened to Ramstein every training. Uh, I, nice. I cannot listen to it anymore. <laughs> Never again. Uh, not to that extent, you know. <laughs> but but sometimes, you know, you can really be in the mood for some country or or some song with an old Icelandic artist, and, and it can really get you going. But 
but I'm not a musician, so I don't have the deep knowledge of music. But yeah. it, it differs for me. Uh, and what do you see as some trade-offs for moving up a weight class? And I know you competed at fairly light when you were younger, so. Yeah, well, I, I started in the minus 90 kilogram class, uh, competed in four competitions there. Uh, that's in 2009. 2010, I competed in minus 110 kilogram class. I competed. Four. Then I did one competition in minus 125, and the rest is super heavyweight. So I've been uh, fairly moving fairly quickly up to the super heavyweight. Uh, but I remember I walked into one of the powerlifting clubs in Reykjavik and met the, the president of the club, and I, I introduced myself. I was uh, I just turned 16, and uh, I said I had interest in com interested in uh, competing. And yes, yes. And what weight class are you in? And I said, I'm uh, in minus 90, I'm 86 kilos. He said, ah, oh, yes, we exactly, that's what we need for the next couple of years. Someone good in minus 90. Uh, and I, I remember I thought, next couple of years, I'm not going to be in 90 kilogram class for the next couple of years. What is this? <laughs> I, I've always wanted to be bigger. At the age of 13, I, I already was 90 kilos uh, and maintained myself there from 13 to to 16. And then I went to minus 110. And yeah, so I, I've always wanted to be a super heavy, heavyweight. And uh, for me, there is nothing else. There no other category I would I would think about being in as long as I compete. Super heavyweight. It's a lifestyle, not a. <laughs> it's no longer a weight class. It's a lifestyle. No, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and the last question from uh, one of our listeners was Do you like Top Gun? Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I say, yeah, Lethal Weapon is number one for me. Lethal Weapon? Yeah, sweet. That's good. That's a good movie. You're big into the '80s still, nice little. I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, know. I of course do not represent uh, all of the Iceland, but, but <laughs> the Iceland. today, today you no. do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll go into a couple of common questions we have. We throw people. Um, so first off, mm -hmm. what would be the highlight of your lifting career so far? Uh, most definitely uh, worlds in uh, in uh, Halmstad, Sweden, where I secured the world record in the super heavyweight. First, eight kilos, and then four hundred and five kilos. And at the time, I thought I was securing the fourth place, but but after after uh, Volodymyr Svistonov failed a drug test, it, it came clear that I had secured a bronze medal. Uh, of course, it had getting to stand on the bronze podium, you know, but mm -hmm. that is to this date, maybe my, my highlight, but I enjoyed lifting in Dubai as well. And 
yeah, but helps that uh, the atmosphere in the building and uh, and everything. It was very very nice. And what would you say, like on the opposite side of that? I, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but what would you say is sort of the lowest point of your lifting career, and what have you learned from that? Like, how has that made you a better lifter in the long run? Yeah, I, I will would definitely say Europeans and World Games 2017. But yeah. um, but the thing is, of course, we we are always learning, and I am always learning. You compete and you learn, and and you win and lose, and you you go through go through good meets and bad meets and and everything in between. Uh, uh, I bombed in, at the Europeans in 2017, and I bombed in, at the World Games the same year. Uh, and I know I will bomb again, you know, it's a part of the game and, and uh, dare to be great and, and everything like that. Uh, I think you have to put it all on the line sometimes and and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Uh, but I, I have learned, but considering that, I have learned to be a more responsible, I think. Uh, I have learned that... Um, that sometimes you you cannot risk it all because it's unfair towards yourself. It's unfair towards the work you have done. To and sometimes uh, fourth place or fifth place is better than no place. Mm-hmm. You know, or sixth place or eighth place or twelfth place. You know, anything. Sometimes getting a total is you know, of course most often getting a total is, is the best thing we know that but yeah. but in these if you think about it like this you know you owe it to yourself to do good you you've sacrificed a lot of time and and money and work into this and and you owe it to yourself to to be the best you can be i think when you're at this level and sometimes you have to risk it but but sometimes you have to play it smart not only for you know the team or the country but for yourself that's awesome. I really like that. Yeah. Um, and through your career, who have some who have been maybe some of your biggest inspirations? I think we talked about some of them at the beginning, but uh, maybe it doesn't necessarily yeah. need to be powerlifters. But mm-hmm. uh, well, if we look at powerlifters, you know, number one, I would say my training partners from the beginning, Odin Jonsson, Odin Jonsson, who competed in in the super heavyweight and minus. 125 at the time and who, who started competing in uh, in 1984 and st- stopped competing in 2015 so he had a 30 year career uh, and that's something uh, has always motivated me and has a lot of uh, of uh, experience experience comp- Competitor who is has been good to have in your corner, definitely. Uh, if we look abroad, there is of course Brad Gillingham and and Carl Lindberg Christiansen and mm-hmm. uh, Lars Noren. You know these are great athletes. Uh, I think, yeah, we have a lot of great athletes, and and uh, who motivate me, yeah. I think these are maybe the top. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so if you could go back to, you know, 15 or 16 year old Julian and, and impart sort of one piece of wisdom, what would you, what would you go back and kind of tell yourself 
if you could maybe save yourself from something or push yourself in a different direction? I would most definitely tell myself to be a little bit more patient and train a little bit more smarter, especially in the bench, to avoid these bench injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, I, you know, I was very, very eager to train and I am mm-hmm. still, but but different, different. So I'm not sure I would, you know, keep it up. You know, I, I, I'm very, <laughs> yeah. I'm very ple- pleased with what I did, but maybe the main thing was train smarter and, uh, and uh, maybe a little bit lighter because yeah. uh, you always learn it later that light work uh, works, you know, as well as heavy work sometimes, but, but uh, keeps your body more better in better condition. So mm. maybe train, yeah, train a little bit lighter, be smarter. And skip the eggs. <laughs> more, more eggs. More, more, more eggs, eggs, yeah. More Higher eggs. quantities. Really milk <laughs> yeah, that <yeah>. sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have one raw lifter you'd like to see go equipped? Uh, it's difficult to say. I think, you know, like we talked about Ray Williams before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm not really sure that the equipment would suit him. But, but it, of course, it would be fun. But but it's difficult to say with the with the big, big guys in Classic, you know. Because as we know, equipment is a, it's a long journey and, and the squat suit especially, trying to get depth in squat suit. Mm-hmm. If you're having a hard time getting depth to raw, then, you know, you should maybe get a very loose suit, you know, very, very <laughs> loose suit. Yeah. Uh, but there are some amazing athletes doing cl- classic powerlifting and, and the numbers which are being put up both at the world World uh, Classic Powerlifting Championship and the at the national meets uh, around the world there are many pretty you know crazy and amazing. So there are definitely many lifters who, who would uh, would uh, do some damage in the equipped. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, and our, our last question is, I know you mentioned uh, working towards the next World Games, um, but do you have anything else that you're, you've kind of got your sights set on right now uh, within the sport? Anything that you're, you're kind of gunning for at the moment? Yeah, I, I'm training. Well, uh, I start training exclusively for, for the World Powerlifting Championships equipped in uh, Stavanger. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't know 100% that it will take place or not, but yeah. I, I will train for it as it as if it will take place. Yeah, uh, I, I will probably compete at some national competition in September, aiming at uh, maybe one or two lift meet uh, in each discipline, just openers or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, just to be secure to secure a total this year. Because I, I I only competed the deadlift nationals and I haven't gotten any three lift meet in this year, so I think number one for me is securing a total this year. So so the records records will show that I I trained this year, 
<laughs> but but other than that, uh, I will put put uh, my aim to towards uh, Stavanger in November, and then we will just have to see. Awesome. And if uh, if anybody listening wants to reach out to you or ask you a question or just kind of follow along with your lifting, uh, mm-hmm. what's the best way for somebody to to follow you or or to reach you? Yeah, just Instagram. I, I try to be fairly active on Instagram. Uh, it's Julian J K J. Uh, and and if there are any questions, feel free to send me messages and so on. It's no problem. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else you wanted to uh, to talk about, or anybody you wanted to give a shout out to, or anything like that? Um, not really. Just uh, just thank you guys for having me on your podcast, and it's been uh, been uh, very fun listening to your other interviews. It's uh, good to have more more uh, more media or or. or th- things like this where you can jack up on power lifters. I think it's a good step. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again for, uh, uh, figuring out the, uh, the whole Wi-Fi situation and, and <laughs> yeah. getting on with us and, and making it work. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, you're on holidays, so big ups and, and thank you. We appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you guys. Okay. See you later. Take All it right. easy, man. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye Julian. All right, we want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance. We'll see you next time.